You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Saul, now conscious of the way his inconsiderate vow had greatly interfered with the morale of his men, and so he wished to repair his error by taking further plunder from the Philistines. And so Saul, hoping material compensation would cause his men to forget his treatment of them, notice he is placing the prospect of personal enrichment ahead of ridding Israel of their enemies. If you've been called into leadership by God, you've been called into a great responsibility. A bad leader can easily create a barrier for many people to understand God's goodness and truth. As Pastor Mike continues our study of the book of 1 Samuel, we'll witness with a prime example of bad leadership in Saul. He puts his own interests over that of the people, and even worse, over serving God's will and glory. This temptation has pulled down many good leaders in the history of our faith. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 as he continues his message, A Foolish Vow. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the what? The morning. Now, in the remainder of this chapter, we really begin to see the digression in Saul's character, his impulsiveness and pride. I mean, things at this point actually change on a dime quickly. I mean, when you consider what we are about to read in comparison to what we've already known about Saul prior to his being anointed as Israel's first king. Remember back in chapter 11, as he rallied Israel against Nahash, the Ammonite, and his army. And he solidly defeated them. And then in turn, rather than taking the credit for that, he gave the credit where the credit was due, all unto God. And so when we're first introduced to Saul by those commendable uh, virtues that he had possessed. But now, as I've mentioned, things begin to digress quite uh, quickly. And so the writer, from this point going forward, enlarges upon the events that had taken place earlier in the day. Let's go back to our text now, verse 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under an oath, saying, 
Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies, the Philistines, and so none of the people tasted food. So the Israelites continued in hot pursuit of the uh, Philistines. Now, uh, something that I want you uh, to, uh, to take note of. First of all, Saul places the people under a foolish oath, which again uh, is really what this message is all about. And also I want you to remember that soldiers in that day had to maintain themselves. They had to provide for their own food. The nation didn't provide for the armies of Israel. They had to provide food for themselves. Their compensation, the remuneration, came from the spoils of war. And so when they would conquer an enemy, they would take the spoils and they would divvy it up, and, and that's how that they provided for their own uh, personal uh, needs. Here, Saul, notice, according to verse 24, wanted everyone to devote themselves unreservedly to the destruction of the enemy. And notice his motivation is more personal than national. Notice we are told there in that verse that he wanted vengeance. You see that word vengeance there in verse 24? You see, he wanted to be avenged for the insults he felt had been heaped upon him during the Philistine occupation. He cared nothing about his troops. He cared nothing that his troops hadn't eaten. Remember, they had already been engaged in this battle against the Philistines for quite a while. They needed some refreshment. They needed some food. They needed to regenerize uh, re uh, themselves. So on Saul's part, this is a shameful abuse of power. And so I think we can rightfully conclude that Saul is no longer prompted by the Spirit of God. He coerced them into abstaining from food for the rest of the uh, day. And you know what? This is what we should take away from this, particularly those of us who are in leadership within the church. God help us that we wouldn't be so task-oriented, you know, so determined to get a certain task or job uh, done, some ministry need taken care of. You know, so God help us that we wouldn't be so task-oriented that we forget to build real humanitarian concern into our work and our field of ministry. I mean, after all, the essence of Christianity is to what? Is to bless the people. So we, put in, we shouldn't put an undue burden upon any person who's involved or engaged in Christian ministry. But nevertheless, that wasn't the case with Saul. Saul's pronoun uh, pronouncement of this oath, this curse, was designed to put them in fear of himself and not God. Now, how do we explain this? You know, how, I mean, there's such a, a dramatic a change that comes over Saul at this time. How do we explain this? How is it that he's more concerned about his own needs and affairs than he is about uh, the people of, of God? Well, it's quite possible, the answer to that question, Saul was feeling the effects of Samuel's words because of his disobedience. Let's revisit that. Let's go back quickly to chapter 13 for a moment. In chapter 13 and verses 13 and 14, remember it was during the time 
when uh, Samuel had told and instructed Saul to wait on him for seven days, and then he would come down, and before they were to go out and fight against the Ammonites and the Ammonite uh, king, Nahash, he was going to offer a sacrifice, and he was going to make sure that the army of Israel were prepared spiritually to go forth in battle. And, and the truth of the matter is that that was more important than, than having the weaponry and the numbers of people to, to fight against these Ammonites. Uh, Saul should have been more concerned that his troops were prepared spiritually to go out and fight against the enemy. Now, what does that tell us? I think that there's a personal application for each and every one of us. Because remember, uh, the battles that we fight are of the spiritual sort. And our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons that we choose to fight with is prayer, the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, our feet shod with the gospel of, of peace, right? This is our weapon tree. So Samuel understood that. He recognized that. But what did Saul do? Well, he couldn't wait any longer. And so he took it upon himself to offer that sacrifice, which wasn't his right. He was a king. He wasn't a priest. And he didn't wait for Samuel to come down to prepare the troops spiritually. So when Samuel finally, if he would have waited, it was probably like within an hour after Saul had offered that sacrifice there upon the altar, if he would have probably just waited an hour or two more, Samuel was going to keep his word. God was going to keep his word, right? So Samuel arrives and we pick up now in that conversation in chapter 13, in verses 13 and 14, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, your son and his son after that. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, which, by the way, is the title of this series of studies in 1 Samuel. And by the way, who was that individual that Samuel is referring to here? David, King David. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So what was going on here? Well, God was going to remove Saul as Israel's king. So again... The question here, uh, designed to put Israel in fear of himself and not God, what's the explanation? Well, it's quite possible. Saul was feeling the effects of Samuel's words, as is recorded for us there in chapter 13, the words that we just read. And so anyway, in placing his men under a curse, anyone eats, they're going to die, they'll be killed, until we finish this fight, kill every last one of them, he appeared to be determined to show them, that is Israel, how zealous he was to do God's will. But the truth of the matter was, he's acting in the flesh. He's misguided. It's misguided devotion. His stubbornness only served to further alienate him from his men. Now, just when Saul's men were weary from want of food, God moves 
and he wants to provide for his people Israel. Let's pick up now in our study in verses 25 through 28. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, again as they're chasing down the Philistines, and all of a sudden, as they're moving through this parcel of a land, and there was honey on the ground. Listen, you know what that was? That was provision from God. God knew what these army uh, of Israel needed, and that's exactly what God was going to provide uh, for them. And, and by the way, this, basically this is a, a beehive. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but have you, uh, bees not only make their hives in trees, but basically they can make their hives anyway. Uh, we've had in the past in my home, in fact just about every year we have this, although last year we didn't have it, we had beehives under our aluminum siding of our homes. But uh, the bees that are of a variety that make their nests in the ground, boy, let me tell you something, those are some angry bees. You better be very careful. But uh, they, they actually make their uh, honey, and it's lying there on the ground. And so that's what's being depicted here for us there in verse uh, 25. Verse, let's pick up now in verse 26. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey, and it was dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth. Why? Because the people feared the oath. What was involved with the oath? Any person that eats is going to be put to death by Saul until right they finished the job completely of destroying the Philistines. Verse 27. But Jonathan, who wasn't even aware of this oath that was made. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand. He dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth. And notice, his countenance brightened. Immediately, he was energized, which is exactly what God wanted to do for all of his people. Well, anyway, Jonathan incensed that his father would have so little regard for the well-being of his men, angrily responded. Verses 29 and 30. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found in the past. It's already happened. I mean, they could have enjoyed that for a season and then continued on to pursue the Philistines. For now, would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? You see, the weariness of the troops had prevented them from overtaking their enemies. And as a consequence, Philistine power remained unbroken. You see, the, what's going on here is actually Israel is mopping up. It's a mop, at this point going forward, it's a mopping up operation. The Philistines have already been decisively uh, defeated. But what was involved in this mop up operation? Well, after any kind of a route like this, it's all important if the maximum benefit from this victory was to be reaped 
by, uh, but pursuit of the enemy involved an exhausting, unremitting journey over steep hills for hours on end. And so once again, Israel, the armies of Israel, needed to recharge their batteries, if you will. They needed to energize. They needed food. Now, Saul's rash vow produced further complications. The people just couldn't take it any longer. They needed food. They needed to replenish uh, their resources. And in verses 31 through 33, now let's discover what happened next. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from the cities of Mishmash to Elijah. And so the people were very faint. And the people rushed on the spoil. They couldn't take it any longer. They weren't going to obey that rash vow uh, that uh, they had been placed under by Saul. And they took the sheep, oxen, and calves of the Philistines. They slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. Now, how did Saul respond? And so he said, You have dealt treacherously with the Lord. Roll a large stone to me this day. The idea of the large stone, he was going to take the remaining animals and he was going to butcher them there upon this rock, but then also he was going to offer the various sacrifices upon that rock as well. So uh, effectively, that rock became an altar. Okay, So that's basically what's going on here. Okay, so let's go back now. The famished men, the armies of Israel, began slaughtering the sheep, the oxen, the calves that had been left behind by the Philistines without attending to the requirements of the law. They ravenously satisfied their appetites. Now, we've talked about this before. The Levitical law gave exact directions and codes concerning the slaughtering of animals. And before they could eat of the animals, the animals had to be prepared. Before they were uh, roasted. They had to be drained of their uh, blood. And you can read about this, by the way, if you're interested in this sort of thing. Uh, Leviticus chapter 3, chapter 17, Deuteronomy chapter 12. We have all of the uh, information, all of the directions on how to go about preparing uh, the animals for eating or offering as sacrifices. But once again, the blood was to be drained away. So, this is what the armies of Israel were guilty of. You see, they may have eaten the flesh in its raw state, blood and all, contrary to the directions that had been given to them by God in their ordinances according to uh, the rites of preparing the animals for either food or for sacrifice. So anyway, obviously there were those who did not participate in this. And among Israel's ranks, there were those who were knowledgeable concerning that law. And so what did they do? They went to Saul quickly and told him what was happening. 
And so how did Saul respond? Well, verse 33, once again, we've already read it. He says, addressing all of Israel who participated in this act that day, you have acted treacherously against God. And then he gives them this command concerning rolling the rock to him. And so anyway, you know, this is interesting. He, he puts the blame upon them when rather he was the guilty party. They, they, I mean, they needed to replenish their resources. They needed to eat food to be able to continue on. They weren't guilty. He was the one who was guilty. Notice he places the guilt upon uh, them. How foolish he was. And so anyway, Saul determines the letter of the law should be followed. And then in verses 35 and 35, uh, verses 34 and 35, there we read, Then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox, every man's sheep, that is, the, the spoils that they had uh, gotten from the Philistines, bringing them to the rock, as I had mentioned, that had been rolled to him. We're going to slaughter them here, and then we're going to eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. And so every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. And then Saul built an altar on that same rock to the Lord, and this was the first altar that he built unto uh, the Lord. Okay, so what's going on here? Okay, well, I want you to think about this now. Saul is looking for an opportunity. He's already blown it, and blown it royally by making this rash vow, alienating himself from his people, Israel, his troops. So thus, he is now looking for an opportunity not only to win the favor back from the people, but also to win the favor of the Lord. You see that there? He's correcting them from their error in eating of this uh, food that hadn't been cooked and hadn't been drained of its uh, blood, and then offering the sacrifices for the sin of the people. He proposed that they continue then after that to attack on the of Philistines, that is, after the people had been refreshed. Now, it has been suggested, Saul now conscious of the way his inconsiderate vow had greatly interfered with the morale of his men, and so he wished to repair his error by taking further plunder from the Philistines. And so Saul, hoping material compensation would cause his men to forget his treatment of them, notice he is placing the prospect of personal enrichment ahead of ridding Israel of their uh, enemies. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. We want to hear from you. 
If you've been listening for months, or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 